Hello, welcome again to Comic Connoisseurs. Tonight we'll be talking about The Batman. Of course, I'm like a host, Jamie Saskatoon. Good evening. Um, Red is sadly not with us uh, for a little bit, but uh, we hope to have him back soon. He has issues with internet stuff, but uh, we're going to talk about The Batman, the movie by, uh, who's the director again? Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. And it, uh, it, I didn't like this movie. I did not like this movie. I wanted to like this movie. Um, because when people say noir detective, I was like, like, you have me sold there. And I'm already a Batman fan. So I'm already 90% there to loving this movie. So you have to work hard to get me, get me back down again. And it, yeah, they they worked hard at it too. I got I got hit of that. Um, now, we talked about a couple of weeks ago the suspension of disbelief in comics, and I just want to bring this up because there's one thing that bothered me about this movie that the uh, Snyder does as well. Um, bullet proof does not mean kinetic proof. Um, Nolan actually understood this because in the Nolan Batman films, if Batman gets hit with a bullet, he acts like he just got punched because, yes, his Kevlar armor stops the bullet, slows it down, but it's still the force of a fucking bullet. It didn't penetrate him, but it fucking hurts. Um, in, you know, in, in Snyder's BVS, you have this dumbass scene in, in the warehouse where Batman is beating a guy up and some punk puts a fucking gun against his cowl one inch away and shoots and does nothing. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, I can hear you. Okay. Um, and just Skype gave me a message. But, okay, so... And in, in this movie, you have people, un, you know, emptying Uzis at Batman at the fucking one-foot range and... He's wading through it. No, no, no. I'm he sorry. He doesn't break stride in that scene. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And uh, and I don't know if you ever fired a, a weapon before, JT, in your life. A couple of times, but nothing like the weapons that they were dumping on Batman with. Okay, but if you, you, you let's, I'll I'll dumb it down. Um, let's not even talk about uh, a combustion weapon, like like a rifle. Let, let you, you fired a pellet gun before, right? Pellet gun and small caliber a rifle, yeah. Well, those still, like, you feel the gun pushing back at you, right? That is that is uh, one of Newton's laws of motion. Mm -hmm. Well, it's pushing that much back at you. Imagine the push it gives the other the, the other direction. Yeah. Like, it's you're not going to be wading through that. Okay. And I'm just going to pause there, Ben. It's like, yeah, they're obviously... As for, first of all, I really enjoyed the movie, but I will I will acknowledge the flaws like like that scene. I mean, I mean, that's straight. If you want to talk about stuff that is like taken from comic book page to screen, that screen, because there are dozens of examples through the decades of Batman comics that we have both read where, you know, to the point where he's wearing armor, not like the Dark Knight Returns suit, but just his, you know, batman level one gear where he's tanking bullets like that so yeah it's completely unbelievable but at overhaul uh or sorry as a whole i really enjoyed the film the noir thing i was intrigued by that but i just un, and i don't mean this in any negative way unlike you i as soon as i hear something like noir like that 
being used to describe any film nowadays, I'm like, yeah, motherfuckers don't know what you're talking about. And I was not, I was not surprised in that respect watching this movie. There are very noir like uh, sensibilities and attempts in a lot of scenes, but this is like the kid in the restaurant where you see a family getting pancakes for breakfast and you know, you don't, you don't drown your pancakes in syrup. If you want to enjoy the taste of the pancakes and the taste of that melted butter and such like that, you know, a a little bit, maybe a lot, but you, you're not, this movie is that kid just dumping the whole bottle of Mrs. Butterworth all over the pancakes and it becomes, JT, JT, we have to revoke your Canadian card because you didn't, because you said Mrs. Buttersworth, which is not maple syrup, it's uh, sugar syrup. Ben, just 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 go with me on this, all right? <laughs> just just you, you got to stop bringing much thought train of thought to a screaming halt just because I. Anyway, anyway, the movie I did enjoy the movie. Now, when I first heard that this movie was coming out, and I heard who was cast to play Batman, I was like. Shovel face? I was like, really? The disco ball with fangs? Because that is honestly, and according to some of my friends who have seen not every movie that Pattinson has done, but a bunch of them, they said he is a really good actor. I take them at their word. I have not seen any film Robert Pattinson's been in since the first Twilight, and I only watched that because a friend of mine said I couldn't talk shit about Twilight until I read the book or watched the movie. Well, I was going to waste the time reading the book, so I wasted the time watching the movie. And um, I'm not a fan of that movie. However, I have seen like clips on YouTube and such of from other movies that he's been in. I was like, okay, we got something we can work with here. And it's not his fault. It's not. I'll say. No, and it, it definitely is not. Uh, but I was surprised at how much work he did, like the acting in body language, in the face, both in and out of the bat suit. Uh, also wondering how much money Wayne Tech spent uh, developing that uh, eyeshadow that he smears on his face every time he goes out. And also he must have his makeup gang on point to get that shit on in like three seconds flat, including the costume. I, I really did like his performance. Uh, and this is, it's an origin film, but it's honestly, I think it's an honor it's a fresh take on an origin film. Like he's been Batman by a couple of years at this point in the film, but he's not there yet. I think just in terms of the story, like he's Batman, but he is, you know, he's still got those stumbling blocks. Like he has to get beyond the rage, which he does by the end of the film. And I love how this is like Bruce Wayne before he comes out with the playboy, Bruce Wayne persona you know, to another litter of subterfuge. Now, I mean, you know, what did you think of Pattinson in this role? I don't think any of my complaints have to do with him and who is acting specifically. I don't think anything, I don't think any of that is his fault. I think he is a competent actor. I liked him in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, okay, I have seen one other movie he's been in. Well, that's the thing is, is you say not a good actor, like you couldn't even tell that was the same fucking guy. <laughs> well, I also haven't watched any of the Harry Potter movies since. I think I watched <laughs> Deathly Hollows Part Two 
twice, but that's only because I fell asleep watching it on cable at home. But anyway, uh, but but I'm giving him some props here. So, uh, but this movie has deep deep flaws that cannot be overlooked with just good visuals and a couple of good performances. Um, this movie feels like someone did the whole an AI writes a Batman story. <laughs> and the AI just uh, happened to read Batman Zero Year and lift most of the third act right from that storyline. Well, there's more than just zero, zero Year because Zero Year, I was not a fan of Zero Year. There's lots of things about them. Was that, uh, was that, uh, what fucking reboot was that from? Well, that was uh, this long. Uh, I know, but Zero Year happened that like was right New after... 52. Okay, New 52, okay. Like, you know you fucked up, DC, when the only New 52 reboot I found even remotely readable was fucking Aquaman. You guys done fucked up. And <laughs> you done fucked up when it was the Jeff Johns Aquaman. <sighs> Didn't say it was good, just said it was readable. And only readable because of fucking Mira. Um... Back to the topic at hand. This movie, I wanted to enjoy it. I really did. But part of it is my own experience with reading Batman stories, watching Batman stories, and knowing what I know about the things that I know. And you could say that I came in with several prejudices, even though I was prejudiced to enjoy the movie to begin with. Um, I just think it's hilarious that uh, that the movie's soundtrack, the theme for Batman, is a song about Kurt Cobain doing Courtney Love in the butt. You know, I would have been happier not knowing that. <laughs> I, I really, really would have been happier never knowing that. Thank you, Ben. I that's going to be some night terrors for me tonight. <laughs> And she didn't get ready beforehand, so that's what the song's about. Um, anyways, um, I Colin Farrell as Penguin was okay. He went way over the top sometimes, just because he could. And Colin Farrell's a fine actor, but when him him trying to go over the top comes off as kind of cartoonish, and not in a good way. Um, uh, what's his name? The guy who played Felix Sliders, Gordon, was a good Gordon. He was a Compton Gordon. I could see him as Jim Gordon. No complaints there. Um, Riddler was some straight up fucking, you know, BBC Sherlock season three right in there. Yeah. The whole thumb drive conclusion was so out of fucking left field. So, like, Red put it best that a mystery has to be written to where an uh, where a viewer can look at that and go, like, I could have figured that out if you gave me enough time. Or I could have looked back at this movie and see the pieces that you put. There was no way a competent viewer could have come up with thumb drive. He cough his drum. And a cipher that no one in the audience could solve has the word drive. Thumb drive. Fucking bullshit. 
Um, not to mention the fact that uh, there is a good way of doing a twist in a Riddler riddle. And I'll give an example. Uh, from my much-beloved uh, Batman the Animated Series, mm -hmm. there was an episode called Riddler's Reform, mm -hmm. where the Riddler pretends that he's reformed, and he's doing TV commercials about toys for a toy company. And one of these commercials has Riddler writing down like a number, like, you could play with my toys with 5,625 or four ways. Or some weird number like that. And then Riddler, you know, flips the chalkboard over to right on the other side of it. And Batman's like, well, this number must be a coordinate. So they go to the, where the coordinate is, and Batman's like, there's nothing here. And Batman's like, wait a minute, Riddler flipped over the chalkboard. The numbers should be flipped over. Yeah, and, and that's something that people might have figured out if they had done something like this. We know, I mean, the problem, like, I like the 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 idea of a darker take on the Riddler, this Kaiser Soze-esque, Hannibal Lecter-ish sort of thing. Jigsaw, well, but then that's giving credit to the Saw series, and honestly, outside of the first movie, I I tend to ignore that franchise. But my, my point is, I like the idea of this dark, darker, more malevolent take. But the whole, like, not just ripping off, they might as well cut and pasted whole cloth the scenes of the cops trying to figure out the Zodiac Killer's uh, cipher from the Zodiac film. Because, I mean, and well, that's the they thing. Don't even, they, don't even, they don't even go through the cipher. Basically, Batman's contact lens, Wi-Fi contact lenses scan him. And Alfred's like, well, I was, I was busy making you br breakfast and coffee, and I just solved it while I was doing that like, with the crossword puzzle. Here, here's the answer. Yeah. and So there's not even any solving of the cipher. Alfred just does it while he's eating a crumpet. Uh, honestly, and I, I like Matt Reeves' work. Like, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of the first Cloverfield film uh, and the remake of Let Me In, which is the Chloe Grace Moretz uh, vampire, vampire film. movie. Yeah. Which not not uh, what's his name, you know, banging on the uh, gate shouting, let me in, let me in. No, not that one. And <laughs> so I, I like what he was doing here. But like I said earlier with the, the maple or sugar syrup analogy. Dare I offend Ben's sensibilities one more time? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm protecting. I'm protecting you from your own countrymen. We're we're not that vindictive, but my point is, like that that thirty syrup, million dollar maple syrup theft a couple years ago, JT. If I may continue. Yes, you may. Thank you. The problem with the Riddler is. I think endemic of the film. Like I said, I like the film. I recognize the flaws. And the thing is they try to make the Riddler into the Zodiac killer and, and it's leaps in logic. And again, the, which I think you might agree with this, the flaws in the film, they're, they're not the fault of the acting or, you know, the set design, uh, partly the fault of the lighting, but again, it's in the writing that we're just, the point of a good mystery is you go along for the ride. So even like on say Columbo back in the day where you go through the episode and you see everything and you kind of have it, you know, in the back of your head, 
you've been along for the ride and you see how everything's going to fit together, you know, subconsciously. But in this one, how in the hell are we supposed to figure out that Bruce would know what the, the fucking carpet tucker was or, you know, oh, I should rip up the carpet in this apartment. This is going to reveal the Riddler's plans and such like that. And honestly, half the riddles in here are, while they're solvable, they're not solvable in the context that they're presented to us where the rid like where you have uh, the DA Colson who I've seen people argue this online it is not a knock at agent Phil Colson. That's just the name. It's called a coincidence people. It happens, but no, he wouldn't have never been able to solve those riddles on his own because he's too freaked out because Batman was there and he got him. And this is another thing that the the writers based a lot of elements of this film on was uh, Jeff Johns' uh, Batman Earth One trilogy of graphic novels. And I believe it was the second one that featured the Riddler going on this essential terror plot, you know, killing these people in Gotham who have taken over after the Penguins killed in the first volume. Big spoiler. And it comes through like two-thirds of the way through the book as we're getting into the final act of that story. The Riddler gives this guy a riddle and they answer it correctly and the bomb, like to Batman, he answers it correctly. He still blows the bomb up. I don't think any of these riddles are, were, you know, never mind the Sonic thing. He just wanted to kill people he may have had, a, in his mind, a justification for it. But the even like Frank Gorshin Riddler, you could fi figure those out. But they're, the Riddler's riddles are meant to obscure and confuse the police and Batman and, you know, mar whatever view they have as intentions. And this Riddler is just literally killing people because he's fucking a whack job who's got this obsessive delusion of, I don't even know, how would you describe uh, the Riddler's uh, psychosis? You can't, because, you can't because the writers changed their mind halfway through. No, I'm asking you, how would you describe the from, Riddler's psychosis in the comics? No, in the movie. like uh, That's what I'm saying, is you can't because the writers changed their mind halfway through. Um, and because they threw in a fucking red herring, and then they fucking dropped it. Um which is kind of insulting and stupid. So he has no he has no motivation other than he was an orphan. Were the Waynes responsible for him being an orphan? Were the was the uh, was the Falcone family responsible for him being an orphan? Was any were the police responsible for him being an orphan? No, to all of the above. He's just sad and mad that he's an orphan. That's what they did. Well, they and did imply in the film uh, that that reporter. No, 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 no. They, they dropped that real quick. That's the red herring. Because let's talk about the reporter. Because they threw in a fucking giant ass red herring that I was like, oh, I figured it out. It's not the Riddler after all. It's fucking Hush. Because the reporter's last name was Elliot. And they, in that, that one tape they, that the. Uh, that we talked about the brave reporter Elliot about to expose Martha Wayne was an insane asylum. And then he was killed by Falcone and, and all this stuff. And then, and then all of a sudden the Riddler talks about being an orphan and how bad it is to be an orphan. And it's like, Oh, and then the fucking 
the fucking film flashes the word hush. Yeah, they're, so they're leaning like, heavily on that, but I still think that makes sense that, you know, he became an orphan after, like, it's... He I, wasn't, though. They don't explicitly he, say that. It's all it's all supposition and assumption based well, on the stuff there. I let me, Go ahead, JT, and I'll explain you wrong while you're wrong in a minute. There's no way to be wrong or right about this because there is no 100% that, oh, look, Edward Nashton, da, da, da. That's just his name now. That could be like the adopted name if he got adopted or whatever. I'm just saying it's there's no absolute 100%. There's no way anyone could be wrong about this way to say. I'm just saying it's suggested. And it's, again, like the Riddler using these puzzles and everything to obscure what he's trying to do. It's yeah, it's a red herring, but it could, or it couldn't be a red herring is what I'm getting at. We don't know for sure. Although. Was, okay. So what they showed was he was the creepy kid, autistic kid in the children's choir that was staring at a young Bruce Wayne. Uh, that means he was in the choir for a while. It's like, so his, uh, so his dad could have been dead for, uh, for a short amount of time, he should. He, his dad would have been dead for a long time. Yeah, I I still think it works, but <laughs> the the problem, like I said, with the Riddler is it's he comes off as this lunatic criminal, but with they try to make him the Zodiac killer. They try to make him this offshoot of incel culture. Uh, they they try to make him just this mad bomber sort of villain, and ultimately he's nothing because there's no like the great thing about the riddler in the comics is he has this psychological compulsion to you know leave puzzles and riddles and all this to you know futz with the police and batman and eventually like i've talked about this on the show before i love the take on the riddler they had uh in the aughts uh, just a few years prior to the new 52 where you know he's been running from the league of assassins after hush he's become homeless he hasn't been seen in the suit in year couple years and this uh cryptology professor finds him and befriends him and kind of uses his code breaking skills because the riddler is also a very brilliant uh coder uh to you know sell uh, sell his work as his own and get back into like the intelligence game the riddler ups his game you know he doesn't wear the suit with the question marks he gets the tattoos he's got a bunch of loyal followers it's riddle wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a mystery kind of thing and that was really good and if they had done something like that here that would have made sense but ultimately like you said he's just this psycho who is upset at the world and has chosen to fit you know he fixates on all the crime and excess and corruption in gotham city and we talk about that i like the batman telltale games but that's another thing they have here like the whole idea that you know never mind martha's you know history of mental illness a lot of people have a history of mental illness that doesn't make them bad people Thomas Wayne wasn't a bad man here. He was 
a naive and very stupid man because he went to you know Carmine Falcone for help, and which I'm pretty sure that whole that whole broad stroke is taken from you know like the Long Halloween, which is also said to have been inspired or something of an inspiration for this script where, you know, he's like, look, this guy's going to put this dirt out there about Martha. Can you help me out and get him to not put out the story? And Carmine's like, I got you, bro. And then he goes and he kills him. And then Thomas is like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. What do I do now? And then he just kind of brushes it aside and covers that up as best he could. Well, the one thing I want to add to that is uh, that create another plot point where if the dead reporter Elliot was actually important because they because Riddler made it sound like the reporter was a hero in that one tape. It was never mentioned again. Falcone said the reporter was a scumbag. And if Falcone says the reporter is a scumbag, that means he was a scumbag. And then you had, uh, you know, uh, Alfred say very little about the reporter other than he existed and the whole thing about him getting killed. So if the reporter was a string that Bruce pulled on to not only get closure about what really happened to his parents, but also as a clue because he could he should have picked up, oh, the Riddler is fixated on this reporter. Who is this reporter? Find out about the reporter. Follow that string to find out where the Riddler is or who the Riddler is or who he was. Or some little bit of information he could use as leverage when he faced the Riddler in person. No, just gone, dropped. Because everything I mentioned is what a competent writer would do. Yeah, and and that's ultimately the two biggest flaws with the script. And I think you can agree to this is they were trying too hard to make a mystery that they forgot to make an actual mystery. And yes. They second big thing is they were in quote unquote uninspired by too many separate things. Now you take you can be inspired by the Batman stories you mentioned, the Long Halloween, Hush, Earth, the Batman Earth One series, Year Zero. They're not all fine stories, but they're some pretty interesting Batman stories that I think people should check out, especially the Long Halloween. And Hush, even though they are written by a man who used to be called Jeff, and now every time I see him mentioned in articles or interviews, he's referred to as Joseph for some reason. I don't know what's going on there, nor do I really care. Uh, But this is also a man that had some uh, horrible opinions of certain cultures that were featured primarily in a certain horn-headed Marvel series, and the less said about his opinions, the better. Point is, he's there are some great Batman series that he took inspiration from, but they're also taking inspirations from the Zodiac movie and from you know the usual suspects, and it's like this meme that Ben is a little too obsessed with folks called too many cooks, and you cannot argue that point, Ben. You know you're obsessed with that. I haven't thought of that meme for five fucking years. I would have said it reminds me of that scene from Forbidden Kingdom of of trying to pour too much into your cup. Also a great point thing is like they they tried so hard to make this jambalaya that it just comes out as a huge pile of shit absolutely narratively speaking in the chip i mean but to talk about stuff that is done very well in this movie uh i like the you know it's only year two of batman he's 
barely got an ally in, I think it's, was it Lieutenant Gordon or Captain Gordon? I think it was Lieutenant, Lu- but... Um, you got, you got, go ahead. You got his relation with Gordon, which is tenuous at best. You've still got, you know, some of the police might like the Batman. Most of them are just, like, standing in his way. Like, that first scene where they go to see the mayor's murder scene, and that cop just steps right up. Like, there's no fear for the Batman in the police yet. Because... I did kind of like how they're treating Batman. He's like uh, uh, a civilian consultant. That's the word I was like. I was thinking more along the lines of how Warren Ellis, when he wrote that one Moon Knight series a few years ago, and he created the Mr. Knight, Mr. Knight, where he is this in private investigator that helps the police. No, that's Moon Knight. No, if that was Moon Knight, we'd have to consult a whole different set of rules and you would probably get hurt. But you have that. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, we don't have Wayne Manor. We have Wayne Tower, which is a nod to the Wayne Foundation building. And, you know, the Batcave being in this long abandoned Gothic subway station underneath the building. I love that. Uh, Andy Serkis is woefully underused in this film. and But I really did like the few scenes he had with Alfred. You know, he, he wasn't being Gollum, he wasn't being Claw, he wasn't being Caesar from the Planet of the Apes movie, which is where I first uh, remembered Matt Reeves. Uh, I mean, I saw Cloverfield, but I didn't really remember the director's name. I thought, oh, that was a cool monster movie. Uh, you know, he did really subtle but powerful in his performance in What Time We Had. Zoe Kravitz, god damn, she was fine. Uh, and you mentioned Colin Farrell. I, I liked his whole, take it easy there, sweetheart. Like that over-the-top Italianness, which has never been a part of the character before, but people are, it's the only thing people are going to remember now. Uh, but unapologetically, I love the Batmobile in this movie. That, that my fi- it looks like a it looks like a stripped down Mustang with the jet engine on it. Yeah, then that that's always been my favorite uh, version of the Batmobile in the comics growing up. Where you look at it, that could be a real car that's been tricked out. Like it could be a James Bond special, but that's all it is. It wasn't until sometime in the '90s, uh, I believe the artist is uh, Norm Brayfogel, who him and Alan Grant did the first they had a long run on i think it was shadow of the bat uh one of the sundry bat family titles in the 90s they had this great storyline where mr zaz is escaping from arkham asylum and going out and killing but he's still there when batman comes by so how is he how is like what's going on but he has this really angular stretched out like the batmobile always looks like it's lying flat in the road and it still works i like cars that are real like Batman 89, say what you will about that car. That still looks like a real vehicle. The, but this one, you know, it's basically like a 1970s muscle car, like Ben said, with a jet engine in the back. But that thing is a beast and it deserves to be a beast. And it's the my favorite part of the movie. Like when he turns that thing over in that shit before the chase scene starts and it roars to life like that. I was just like, God damn, I have a new favorite. Sorry, Batman 89. What's some stuff well, you like, though? I know there I... were a couple. There were a couple scenes where I felt like there was an attempt to do some uh, 
detective work. Um, like, like the overall Batmaniness of it was okay, but I feel like they blundered too much of it that I never really got it. Like we had Russian girl who was a substitute for Holly, and that plot line could have gone somewhere. And should mention kind of, who Holly is for our listeners, though. Holly is a blonde friend that Selena Kyle has had in the comics ever since uh, year one. That is basically her closest friend and confidant. And uh, every iteration of Batman or Catwoman has had Holly show up at least at the beginning of each store uh, of each iteration. And writers sort of forget what to do with her really fucking quickly. <laughs> that that is a very good assessment of Holly. It's it's the absolute fucking truth. Like I've never seen Holly last, and Catwoman has had five long-running series, and they just forget she exists after a lo- after a while. Yeah, about the only time they bring up Holly now is when they're using Black Mask in a Batman comic, and it's I think it's contractually obligated for every writer writing Black Mask that he has to mention about the time that he tortured and drove. Holly insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, like you said, this is a grab bag of Batman stories and ideas and, and tidbits. And, uh, like, I'm sorry to say it, but Nolan did an early Batman story better with Batman Begins. It, uh, And... I don't know if you know this about Nolan. Nolan is a builder. Nolan is is a guy that tries to figure things out. He's a craftsman. And when he first made the first draft of Batman Begins, when he wasn't writing script or trying to get producers and stuff and or or, or cast actors, he was building not not a working model, but he was building out of scrap car parts the tumbler in his garage. Yeah, that's actually when I saw. When I watched that making of where they talking about the creation of the Tumblr and how they came out, it was like that. This is why I like the man. And because he because he felt like if he if he showed the other people involved in the movie what his vision of the Batmobile looks like, they will all instantly get the kind of Batman movie he was making. And he was right. And. It was it wasn't moving. It wasn't functional. It was never going to be functional. The one in his garage that is, but the model, the shape, and the, and the overall contours, people saw him like, okay, I know what kind of Batman movie you're making now. Um, he, and just point of reference, the actual working tumbler was an actual fucking beast of a car. When you saw it go through a concrete barrier, it was going through a fucking concrete barrier because. All those steel plates were actually steel plates on it. The motor on it was an actual fucking, uh, uh, I think it was a V12. Mm-hmm. It was a fucking beast. It was built to, it, I, I honestly think that the U.S. military should be like, hey, yeah, Mr. Nolan, can you build us like 50 of these fuckers for Afghanistan? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you think of the bat design of the bat suit? It was okay they went they went really hard and uh, i'm gonna use some lingo here uh, in the tactical area um tactical is 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 a derogatory term for gun owners 
of someone who buys a uh, let's let's say like a uh, uh, an AR-15 and they just slap all the tactical looking shit as they can on it. Does it help it? No. Why'd you do it? Well, because I sold this on a gun magazine. It looked cool, like this extra grip with the with the with the finger slots. Are you gonna hold it like that? No. <laughs> like it, like it has all these pads and and armor pieces, and the and like, you know, the Batman suit in fucking uh, Arkham Knight has lots of raised armor pieces, but that suit looks tame to this suit. Um, the other part of the problem I have with it is you have this scene where Batman is running through GCPD, gets to the roof, and his suit with the solid armor pieces converts into a wingsuit. Not his cape turns into a flying wing. No, his suit turns into a wingsuit, a flying squirrel wingsuit. And how did the fucking wingsuit get on top of his armor pieces? I'm Batman. And... Where did the fucking drag shoot come from? Did it come out of his ass? I'm Batman. That's the only explanation we're given, really. But, 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 <laughs> am I not asking legitimate questions? No, you're, you're asking ex very good legitimate questions that, how did that shit work? No, I, watching that, I, I initially thought in the theater, and I've only seen the film one time, but uh, initially I thought he clipped the like the longest uh, the scalloped points of his cape to like something in his boots and then he was like just tacking stuff up along his sides and it was like some sort of magnet button thing and then I've heard people say like oh he just pulled these two drawstrings and it just popped out it's like where did the armor go you know also yeah that, that, that's what happened he pulled two drawstrings and it popped out that's exactly what fucking well happened. it it doesn't I mean, but that, that's what happened. doesn't explain how that works. And by right, never mind that. I mean, sure, he take, he, he's he got a squirrel suit because he's Batman, and he dies off the top of the GCPD because every building of or every institution in this city apparently is situated in a goddamn skyscraper. Here's the thing. He should not be alive after that sequence because he took two hellacious blows one off a building another off a train landed wrong and then just get up and walks the fuck away why he's batman and where did the drag shoot come from his back butt we, we've established that already and uh i i just felt like that was a whole bunch of like all of a sudden his suit is magic his suit is magic well and I don't like the super ultra stupid realistic stuff in, in comic book movies sometimes. But at the same time, you can't just be like, oh, it suits magic. Um, Nolan, I think, again, reached that that like golden point there with, uh, with oh, there is actually something called memory cloth. We can't find a, a fucking thing to do with it. Yeah. Or, uh... That's honestly the first... Uh... Like, I, I have a lot of problems with The Dark Knight Rises, and we don't have time to get into that here. But the yes. the, the two things that I really loved in uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight were the sequences involving the creation of the bat suits. Like, it's, you know, that bit with the, uh, the flange darts, you know, when he's uh, maybe like to read the manual, the overall, how they redesigned it so you can turn his neck and... 
you know, he's got more protection against knives and dogs and, you know, going back to what you're talking about earlier about him tanking those shots. Like I always love that line when they're talking about the, the Nomex survival suit in the first movie, where he's like bulletproof, anything but a straight shot, which works, you know, and you know, how he incorporated elements from his, uh, you know, league of shadows gear and such like that. Like the, the bit where they're putting, you see him putting the radio into the cowlier piece and then Alfred smashing the mask. And, uh, the next, uh, lot will be up to order. Well, it's a good thing yeah. we bought in bulk. I love all that. And the design overall, the look of the suit, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, there's some things I wish they would have explained like those, uh, what he had on his forearm, like that row of stuff, I don't know, is that where his bat line comes from? Because he's got that kind of Derringer style bat grappling oh. hook that comes out of from his elbow. Those are those 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 are ninja spike. Those are ninja needles. And suddenly everyone's saying that that's an element from the Court of Owls makes sense. Those are ninja needles, and what you're supposed to be supposed to use them for is. Uh, Number one, they are partially like uh, forearm armor mm -hmm. because they will stop a blade. But the other thing is you're supposed to pull them out with your other arm and throw them. Those are ninja needles. I thought it was just some sort of nope. armor piece that it's just nope. there to protect them. Nope, those are ninja needles. Okay. And he never used them. He never used them. So, And the other thing I have to add about stuff that's never explained, it just shows up as a member berry, is venom. Okay, that's they they never explicitly call it venom. It's either venom or it's, it's green. A lot of things are green in the world, Ben. Just that that amps you up and gives you strength. Same thing happens in movies. In movies, when you get hit with adrenaline, because that's how adrenaline works in the movies. And this is a movie we're talking about. So it was either adrenaline or it was venom. And I what think you think it was. What's that? What do you think? It was? I think it was adrenaline because a it's Batman year two. He hasn't been around long enough or fucked up enough to even look for some sort of steroidal uh, concoction yet. So I think it is entirely too early in the story of Batman in this version that it's venom. It could be venom. I'm not saying that it definitely isn't. I just think it's too early. So it's either venom or some sort of like steroid compound that he got from Wayne Enterprises, probably in the same division where we never hear the name Lucius Fox, but I guarantee you Lucius came up with that just like he came up with the fucking bat contact camera, which that can't be comfortable wearing. And that's probably why he's got to wear those sunglasses when he comes up out of the bat cave, because his eyes are probably raw and sensitive as hell after wearing that shit. Now, the other thing I want to add is they had this whole theme about Batman, like, well, I won't even say it's a theme because it was barely touched, because this movie is schizophrenic as fuck. It's, it's, it's like a it's coked up uh, Okay, what, what did they touch, Ben? What did they touch? Show, show um, us on the where doll Batman, where it touched you. Where Batman had this whole uh, relationship with figuring out that he doesn't want to be vengeance, he wants to be hope. Because at the beginning scene, like, he only calls himself Vengeance once in the movie, but then Catwoman just keeps on calling him Vengeance, even though he never said that to her. And the only, and the, the only scene that he calls himself Vengeance is the, one where he's, where he's, is the one where he's beating up Doug Walker. 
Yeah, it did look like the critic, didn't it? No, I, I mean, or, well, Belvin brother the Joker. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get you. Now, as far as <laughs> the, like the vengeance thing with from Catwoman, I think it's just how he's intense and going about. You know, I don't think it's too hard. It's, it's too much to expect somebody to come up and call him that or call him Rage Monster or something like that. Uh, and I'll admit, I think it's confusing. But they do kind of set it up throughout the film, mostly through his dialogue with Alfred in terms of, you know, what Bruce is doing and what he's hoping to accomplish. And, you know, I think that turn comes from him realizing while they don't have the best relationship, Alfred is still the only family that he has. And it took almost losing Alfred in the Riddler's mail bomb to shakes something loose again it's not perfect but i think that's kind of where that comes from because bruce through any version of batman bruce is trying to save gotham he's trying to lift gotham up out of the dark and what he's been going through those last couple of years it's not working so he has to try a different tack again that's a bit of a stretch but i think it's i think it's believable in that respect I, I I think that, again, it was one of those plot points that they sort of started and then they forgot about until the end. Yeah. When Batman is beating up uh, the incel Riddlers and one of them says he's vengeance and Batman's like, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to be an incel. Now that too. Uh, I love how everyone's like, oh, that's such a brother. That's the guy that he talked to at the church for like three seconds. And I was like, okay, it's not too far afield to think of that guy becoming one of the... Uh, uh, the Riddlers. Actually, I'm calling them the Diddlers. The Kitty Diddlers. The Kiddlers. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, no new N U like new metal. The new Riddlers. Uh, like that that whole thing. That the scary part about that is that isn't that far off from a lot of stuff nowadays. Again, like the incel culture that we've mentioned. That the, like that whole thing at the end where the I love Paul Dano's performance as the Riddler again it's not the acting it's the it's the writing that I have the biggest problem with but Paul Dano did really good and I really enjoyed that video that they un, like Batman and the cop unlock with that uh, ratalata you know uh, website and him's like hey guys you know I really enjoyed this community I'm coming off like uh, you know one of these insta insta stars or TikTokers, which don't get me wrong, I I, I love seeing the stuff uh, some of the entertainers on TikTok and Instagram. That's a lot of fun, but the fact that you have them doing that and then you're watching the the chat on the side and just realizing that there's like there are actual groups like this out there that the fact there haven't I'm surprised there haven't been more uh, organized chaos like this in the world. Thank God. Well, they they are. They, we we call them uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Okay, I'm just gonna back away really slow, listeners. I'm gonna maintain eye contact. You guys can do with Ben whatever you want. My point is that that I thought was, again, overall it was a really unique thing to do with a character like this. The idea is good. It's the execution that is flawed. 
like it's not enough for the Riddler to everything to go to shit. And of course he's got this crow's nest apartment that looks like a, I swear to God, they took that from Batman forever. Cause that place felt claustrophobic, like Jim Carrey's apartment in that movie. Of course he's living across the street from the iceberg lounge because why the hell wouldn't he not be there? But the idea is like, okay, I'm going to flood Gotham and then you're, you're just going to, you're arrested. You're just going to hope that these guys aren't like a lot of people on the internet that are just going to talk a lot of shit and then never actually do something. Like, I think there's this huge blank space there between that scene with the chat and them actually doing it. I think that that's the problem is it's a, it's, it's a weird sort of fantasy of the fact that, that internet trolls are actually going to get out of their house and do something. And it, it's, it's I, bullshit. And they might someday. That's, the, that's the scary thing. Uh, someday. I mean, you never think that, I mean, it's an analogy, but that dark kid in high school who listened to nothing but, you know, nine inch nails and the cure that wears nothing but dark colors. And so, you know, someday they're all going to pay like, you know, that's why we have, we had Columbine. We've had all these shootings. Like these people are out there and someday <laughs> some of them, one of it only takes is one, one of them might actually decide to act on those dark thoughts. And that's, what's scary about the, the diddlers. There's, there's thousands, I, no, 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 not thousands, millions yeah, of kids in that era happen. that wore black trench coats and did fuck all. And, and to sort and to say we should curtail the freedom of all kids because two fuckheads couldn't I'm not put saying up with that fact... at all, Ben. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying that those people exist out there, and who knows what the trigger was for any one of them. I'm just saying, like because we have the diddlers at the end, they go in the shooting spree in the fucking scoreboard at Madison Square Gotham. I swear to God, that's the name that I saw on the outside of that building. It's just this potentially could happen. And that's what's scary about that scene. That's something, again, I got right because this could happen. But we're not going to have some, you know, vet, vet, rage fueled vigilante billionaire show up and kick a couple of their asses and then shoot them up with a possibly super steroid. Also, I, I, I don't think it's Venom because I don't think he would have calmed down that quickly after Gordon and Selena showed up. Well, but that's besides I think the point. that I think that was a case of of oh we have to we have to uh, wrap this up because the movie had lots of we have to wrap this up where they they destroyed the city everything's gone and fucked to hell and No Man Land's going to be the sequel. And we gotta wrap this shit up. And it's like, oh, and by the way, it's a Batman movie. We can't do anything Batman without mentioning, showing, or or hinting Joker. Like again, I feel like if I ever had control over Batman, I would tell the writers, you don't, you don't do anything Joker related for two years. I would allow Pat. If I were in the same position, I would allow references, or you know, oh look out, the clown might get you, something like that. Now, what they did with the Joker here with uh, it's the guy, Barry Keegan, who played uh, Drig in the Eternals, uh, I like that 
and I have seen the deleted Joker scene that's been released online, and that was the I think that if you're gonna have Joker, you use them sparingly, and they use them sparingly. They use them in just the right amount for this movie. It, you know, it's we don't know. I I think the deleted scene would have been too much because no, basically no, that's, you the, that's up... what I'm talking about is if they put that in there, it ruins. And I'm gonna give the writers one point here. It ruins that twist that Batman never realized that in him doing all this stuff in solving the Riddler's riddles and trying to figure this out that he was actually helping the Riddler. But again, that goes to that whole no one is this smart or even Machiavelli wasn't this Machiavellian in setting all this. Like this is like those intricate uh, car domino videos you see on YouTube. Like no one is this good. Like, something had to have gone wrong somewhere along the way, and yet everything went true to form for the Riddler. The other thing I have to add is some of these Riddlers, are the solutions are read out in such a way that they want the audience to be dumb, and they want the audience to think Batman is dumb. Like, the rat with wings. Like, oh, wh- wh- what character in Batman lore have we ever been called? Has ever been called disparagingly the brat with wings? I don't know. Oh, it wasn't boy. that for me with that uh, oh, the rat with oh. wings. It's like, really, you, 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 Batman. I knew first people were going to go to Batman, then they were going to go to Penguin. I guarantee you, there were people who literally shit themselves when they realized, oh my God, Falcone was the one that was the rat. It's like, maybe it's my years of reading comic books and watching movies, but I called that shit as soon as I heard the idea of a rat in this movie. It was Carmine Falcone, which I'm going to give it up to John Turturro. I loved his performance. I thought it was just a delightfully sinister and unhinged, but I'm much more a fan of the the idea or the, the execution of Carmine Falcone from The Long Halloween, of being like this... Uh, oh God! Uh, what's uh, Pacino's character from The Godfather? Um, you, you know who I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, like, I do. More like the guy. I like Carmine Falcone being the goddamn Godfather than him being uh, John Turturro in a very dark day in his life. <laughs> but I love the fact that. I read uh, he he always wore sunglasses because he wanted Carmine to kind of have this mask. Uh, I also love the fact that you never see his eyes, and that just gives him this very sinister, creepy quality that I like. But to get back to the Joker as we sort of wrap it up here, like I said, that little bit at the end, I I love like it was subtle and it was precise, and it's exactly the amount of Joker you need. And it's they should. It's like when we talk about doing the Fantastic Four movies, as we have in the show, it's you should build up to the Joker. You know, not not the Marvel uh, end credit scene sort of thing, but slowly, carefully, methodically. Even though the Joker is living, breathing chaos, so if they had put that five minute long scene in before, it just takes a lot of the punch out of the rest of the film. Again, I feel like. I feel like Joker would have ruined the scene, and I'm and I'm actually kind of upset that he wasn't as much as he was because because it's a crutch. It's a it's a 
crutch of we have to have Joker show up just so you can say the Joker was here. So people stay the whole movie length to see the scene with the Joker because Joker sells Joker sells comics. Joker sells movies. Um, I you could remove that scene and the movie doesn't suffer for it. Um, I just did not like the movie. The movie felt dire and and dreadful and the riddles were written in that Sherlock season three bullshit of the answer was a boomerang. How did you know that? Is that the script? Is that the script over there? Like the tech wasn't good. The physicality wasn't great either. Um, the fight choreography did not impress me. Um, just overall, it's it's the sum of its parts because the sum of its parts was a story that meandered that was as you said a grab bag of Batman ideas. It was a it was you know technical scenes where Batman's tech is now magic. It's it's plot threads that are started never finished never given uh, conclusion and other than some very good performances and i have to say andy circus is my least favorite alfred not because he's a bad alfred but because there have been so many better alfreds in front of him um it's just not a good movie not a good batman movie it's not the worst one but it's not the it's not a good one one plus that i will say and i i don't I'm not inviting an argument with this statement. I'm just saying I don't think it's being argued. It is a three-hour movie that doesn't feel like a three-hour movie for a lot of people. But it's just that it's got a good pace to it. Not that the pacing is good, but just the, the speed at which the story is moving along doesn't – it's not uh, – that it distracts you from how long the movie is. It's just, it doesn't feel because of how, you know, you're, you're given enough time. I feel to watch the film and absorb stuff as the scenes are going. And it doesn't, it feels like a, a pretty tight two hour movie to me. A lot of people I've talked to have said the same. And I think that is a testament to matt reeves direct like he's a great director he's done a lot of like i said a bunch of his movies i've seen like the last two of that new planet of the apes trilogy cloverfield let me in like i've like i've seen a bunch of his stuff not everything but i have enjoyed what it is but i do want to ask you ben did you recognize the titans cameo in this movie yeah i have to refresh my mind on that one the uh literal two-faced gang member that was getting uh, initiated into the, let's call them the Jokers, because that's okay. what they looked like. There was that kid that had, like, the half makeup. Half his... That's the Titans. I can't remember the actor's name, but that's the kid on Titans that plays uh, Tim Drake. Ah. See, the only, the only gang member I recognized was Doug Walker. You really want that guy to be Doug Walker, don't you? <laughs> I think it's hilarious that that everyone says it looks like him. Well, it, it, it's it kind does. of it's kind of funny. It's it's kind of funny. Also, also a, for the fact that you don't like Doug Walker very much, do actually, you? Actually, actually, I I kind of warmed up on him recently. 
I don't like his stuff. I think, I, but I think he's got a fucking sense of humor about his life, and he's not a fucking cunt. Oh my God, Ben said something. We gotta tell Red about this right away. <laughs> no, Red, Red heard me say this. Yeah. Also, and this is just because I'm a fan of the MTV Teen Wolf series. I recognize the the two actors who play the twin bodyguards at uh, the Iceberg Lounge. They were on that show. I'm looking it up here. I. Thought it was on the wiki, but uh, oh yeah, Jay Lacurgo, if I'm saying that last name correctly, is the guy. Like I said, plays Tim Drake on that show. I can't believe it's getting a fourth fucking season. Yeah, that's what happens with the CW. They 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 carry it to five seasons. That's uh, HBO Max, that. my friend. Uh, oh. uh, and but, you know what my takeaway from this movie is, Ben? What? As bad as this movie is, Ben Affleck's The Batman movie would have been so much better. Well, you know what? I, I have something to say about this. Hmm. No one knows what it's like to be the Batman. To be the sad man. <laughs> Behind blue eyes. <laughs> I knew no it. one knows what it's like to be hated. I, I knew he was going to do this, folks. I knew it. To I, be faded. I, I thought you would have done this so much earlier in the episode. We're telling only lies. <laughs> All right. One last thing before we go, Ben. If you, I'm going to say this to the listeners. If, and I'll, I'll let you answer after me. If you did not like this movie and you need a palate cleanser, I am going to recommend an animated two animated Batman films. That okay. uses a palate cleanser because I think they're pretty good Batman films. The first one is the animated Batman Under the Red Hood. Uh, I think it's been done very well. Bruce Greenwood's back to voice Batman after he voices him in Young Justice. Uh, Dean Winchester himself, Jensen Ackles, voices Red Hood. I love that movie. NPH's Nightwing is just mwah, chef's kiss. And a one that I had a lot of fun with was Batman Soul of the Dragon, the kung flu exploitation batman animated film which isn't really a batman movie but you have kelly hugh as lady shiva michael jai white as ben turner bronze tiger and uh the chairman himself mark dacascos as a race a, they say race corrected richard dragon uh where he's basically bruce lee but it's mark dacascos and that man kicks all kinds of ass so What's a Batman film you would recommend as a palate cleanser for our listeners? Mask of the Phantasm, because even though this movie does the fatal flaw that lots of Batman writers do in inventing a love interest that Bruce had, this did it in the most palatable way, using some of the worst source material possible. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually... a. I, I like my choices, but that is definitely better than what I suggested. Like, if you don't watch an early Batman film that has a mystery, that has uh, that has good action, that really showcases a young Bruce Wayne becoming Batman, that's the one to watch. Animated. If you don't watch a live action one, Batman Begins is pretty damn good, too. All right, so I think that's all we got to say about uh, the Batman. Um, this is your host, Ben. JT from Saskatoon. We're saying goodnight. So long. Peace out.